You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. Well, enough with announcements. Uh, We are week five of our Sabbath series. And I'll tell you, Logan and I, usually by the time we get to the last sermon, I'm a futurist. I think about things down the road. So I'm on to the next sermon or series, or maybe the sermon series after that. So like finishing things well, I don't know, that's kind of hard for me. I mean, at least as far as the emotional energy, like my emotional energy is being spent someplace else. But this has been such a great series. I've needed this. Uh, Hopefully you've needed it. Because uh, we we did spend five weeks on it. Um, if you didn't need it, uh, please send us a comment through the connect card and let us know. But um, going back several months, I knew I knew that I needed Sabbath. That Sabbath needed to continue to be a priority for me. But honestly, when I took on the responsibility as a lead pastor, just the weight of that. Um, it, it was different than anything else I've done. And I've done a, a lot of different things. In my military career, I've had a lot of different leadership responsibilities. But leading a group of people, inviting people into that, like that just feels different. It feels daunting. And, and uh, my Sabbath happens in between two very important days, you know, Thursday, Friday, we're, we're doing our prep, right? We're making sure we have everything ready for Sunday. And then we take a Sabbath in, in the middle of that. Like, I feel like it'd almost be better to Sabbath after it, but it's in the middle. So like, how do I let go of what I did prepare or felt like I haven't quite prepared enough? And it's, you know, it's like, so what I've done is I've sacrificed other things like mowing the lawn and taking care of the house and the car, and I've sacrificed other things because I didn't always prioritize my time well. In fact, I think in terms of uh, my son, Josh, when he was getting close to his 16th birthday, son, you'll appreciate this story. He's online this morning. Um, He wanted to drive soon, and he, he would have to pay for his insurance and his gas. I'm like, son, you need a job. And he says to me, uh, Dad, I don't have time. You know, and I looked at him with the fatherly look, right? <laughs> um, he was doing a lot during that time frame. He was uh, going to school. He was going to church. He was going to youth group. He was... Uh, developing YouTube videos, like he would write and act and then produce the video. He was putting a lot of time into this, and this was important to him. And then he was playing video games, which is also important to him. So like, it wasn't like he was doing nothing. He had a lot going on. But I kind of guess that maybe there was some time in there for him to work too. And, uh, so he uh, applied for Wendy's. And first, first interview, uh, got the job, and they handed him a sheet, and they said, hey, um, fill this out. It's a 168-hour grid. It was a grid of an entire week, and he had to fill out the times when he was sleeping, 
and the times he was at school, and the time he was at church, and whatever, whatever else he, whatever else, whatever. Yeah. I love this mask. I feel like I'm walking uphill, and I'm not. Whatever else, the, the time that he had allocated something else, he had to put it on the sheet. So it's kind of like this for Logan. Logan kind of schedules out his time, and you know he knows when he's got to sleep. I mean, he's got that marked out because he'll forget, honestly. Uh, he probably has lunch on there, yeah, because he'll forget that too. He, he won't remember to eat if no one texts him. Right, Jen? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, you know, Josh had to fill this out, and he filled it out, and he had all his blank space still. He goes, Dad, I have lots of time to work and do my stuff. And I had a shock face, like the one you can't see right now. <laughs> I had no idea this was going to... No. Um, this reminds me of what Peter Scazzaro talks about when he talks about the uh, rule of life. So why don't you talk about that a little bit? I will talk about that. <laughs> Turn my microphone on at the right time. Yes. So, um, okay, we're good. Uh, so Pete Scazzaro, it's not the mask, it's just my tongue, um, talks about the rule of life. And he talks about how it's a trellis that helps us abide in Christ and become more fruitful spiritually. Uh, it's an intentional, con- intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything we do. So I don't know about you, but I had to look up what a trellis was because I was like, hmm, I don't know. Um, and a trellis is this beautiful, there is a picture. It's gorgeous. And it, what it does is it supports viney plants like grapefruit or not grapefruit, grapevines. <laughs> it's fine. We're fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> we are recorded footnotes. It's good. Oh, oh yay. Well, there's no shortcomings this week because we've already recorded it. Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. So it causes the grapevines to get off the ground and be more productive, which when I think about grapevines and the vine and branches, it makes me think of John 15. And so, and Jesus saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. And like, so a trellis helps us stay connected to Christ better. And it helps us be rooted in that better because we're able to be more productive and more flourishing. And so the rule of life does the same thing. It gives us a framework for how we can best live our life. And like Rob said, essentially, we only have so much time. We have 168 hours in a week. So what are we going to do with that time? How do we make it most productive and fruitful? Um, So a few years ago, before I started my Sabbath practice, which I'm still very much practicing and don't have it at all worked out completely, it's definitely still clunky, but it's there, Um, I wrote out a list of everything I do. And it was a full page between being a mom and being uh, family and work and school and ministry. So imagine this is the family section. Well, maybe this should be family section because it's bigger. Uh, And then there's work and then there's, you know, ministry and friend time and like 
One in there is dating. It's a small one, but it's there. <laughs> and then there's exercise and games and like all the fun things I want to do with hobbies. And then I would come in and I was trying to push everything. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to happen, but trying to push everything down so that I can fit Sabbath in. But Sabbath isn't going to fit if I'm just trying to put it on top. Because eventually, you know, life is going to happen. And COVID's going to happen. And it's just going to be the first thing that falls off. It's going to be the thing that gets pushed away because life is, gets in the way. So what I had to do was figure out what worked best to make sure Sabbath was a part of my life and not just something that I added to the top. And so maybe you're in the same boat. Maybe you're like, oh my gosh, how do I make Sabbath be an integral part of my life, not just something on top? And so um, we, over the last couple of weeks, have talked a lot about how we add Sabbath into our life. And Rod's going to summarize that again for us so that we can figure out how to integrate it into our lives. Okay, so we started with this idea of stopping. Yep, we're going to, we had this empty field of Sabbath, and, and it's like, well, how, it's just empty. Like, what do I do with this space? But stopping is, is actually something that we can add to our Sabbath. And I asked this question, and I saw the quivers uh, run through your spines as I asked it, but are you holy? Raise your hand if you like automatically like, yep, that's me, I'm holy. No hands raised. And we got, we got, we've been told we're holy. Um, you know, every time the apostle Paul addresses the church, he calls them saints, right? So I asked this question, are you guys saints? Would you, would you agree with saint? Maybe not holy, but saint. What about over here? Okay. Um, let's bring up the next slide. Holy and saint, it's the same word. It's the same Greek word. And so I wonder if there's something deficient or lacking in our discipleship, because I, I've, I feel like as I've gone through my Christian life that when, when we've talked about holiness amongst believers, it's like, ugh, that's not me. <laughs> like, I want to be. And so how do we, what, why is our discipleship lacking here? And, and it's interesting to me that holiness and Sabbath are introduced at the same time, clear back at creation. In fact, holiness and Sabbath are only mentioned in Genesis once or in one story. So Genesis 2, 1 through 3 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested, he Sabbathed on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, kadosh, because on it, God Sabbath, he rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Andrew Murray was... Uh, pastor in the late 1800s, and I've, and I've got one of his books uh, that talks about holiness, and, and this, he's really helped me have a different view on holiness. 
<clears throat> holiness is not so much about what I do, although, although it's going to impact, it's going to change the, what I do. Holiness has more to do with God's presence. And so we think in terms of like Moses at the burning bush, take off your sandals, you're on holy ground. Why was that ground holy? Because God's presence was there. When we stop to Sabbath and we say, this time is marked out, it's set aside, it's sanctified, it's holy. When we do that, God meets us in that space, in that time, and we experience his holiness. And as we do that, there becomes these conversations between God and I. It's like, oh, yeah, that needs to change. Yeah, that, the way I just had a conversation with my wife, that's not how I wanted to have that. Oh, the way I think about that, that's not the way I need to be thinking about that. And the actions come out of that. It doesn't start with our actions. It starts with God's presence, his presence in our lives. And so the implication for the first week is God invites us to enter into his holiness through a time of Sabbath, but we can only join in if we're willing to stop what we're doing. And then we say we'd add rest, not just enough to stop, but we have to rest like Shandai is there in the middle of the field. And we're seeing the effects of people not resting well. We're told that 76% of workers feel burned out, at least sometimes. And 28% very often or always. Those are big numbers. Nearly half Americans feel increased stress over the last five years. And nearly a third of employed adults find it difficult to manage their work and family responsibilities. I asked you the question when we went through this a couple weeks ago, a few weeks back, who felt rested during the lockdown? I didn't. It wasn't very many of us. So why are we not resting well? Well, Peter Scazzaro talks about a secular versus a sacred rhythm of resting. He created this diagram that we borrowed from him. And he says a sacred, uh, I'm sorry, a secular rhythm of rest looks like work, 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 vacation. And then more work, 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 and then vacation gets interrupted by COVID, right? Or something else gets interrupted by uh, surgeries or some other significant event for the family. The sacred rhythm of rest was created back in Genesis, back in Genesis 2. We just looked at that. It's work, rest. Work, rest. Work, rest. Work, rest. But I, I had a Sabbath. I've had Sabbath as part of my life for years, but I wasn't feeling rested. And again, the responsibilities of being a lead pastor was something I really had to kind of figure out how to stand up under that weight, as it were. And it made me think about David, King David, 
It went from being a shepherd to a leader of a nation. And I imagine if I, fe- if I feel the weight of bearing that responsibility, how much more so did David feel that weight? And how did he bear that, resp- that responsibility? How did he shoulder that? And I think he found himself one day contemplating himself as a shepherd and God as his shepherd. And he, and he penned these words in Psalm 23, Lord Jehovah will shepherd me and I shall lack nothing. He will make me lay upon lush pastures. And it's not the pastures that we see from Ireland. Um, And he'll lead me by restful waters. Most of the translations I've ever engaged with will say still waters or quiet waters, but the Hebrew word is actually restful. Now, still waters... And quiet waters compared to the flash flooding that happens in parts of Israel would be restful. <laughs> but we miss, we miss the implication of what he's saying. In fact, Marty said that when he decided to rest, when he added rest to his Sabbath, he found that God was already there waiting for him. It's almost like a shepherd out in front leading and just waiting for us to catch up to him, to where he's leading us to. Because many times I'm like the one, the 99 are ahead of me and I get distracted and I'm over here doing my own thing, lost. But when I come back to where God is leading me to, when I include him in my rest, it's actually restful. And so the implication is you need rest in God. And then we talked about adding delight. There's Shondale smelling a bouquet of fake, fake flowers. <laughs> but gives us the picture. And Marty talked about Sabbath breathing. He said that we need to create a rhythm for ourselves and for our, our community, our family. Uh, if, we're, if we're single, then this can be our friends that we engage with on Sabbath. If we're married, then it's, it's us and our spouse and our children. We got to figure out what, what does this rhythm look like? We said that we should find a way to delight in God, yourself, and those important to you this Sabbath. Susan Heschel, she's the daughter of Rabbi Heschel, said, in our home, certain topics were avoided on the Sabbath, politics, the Holocaust, the war in Vietnam, while others were emphasized. And the question becomes, well, what other conversations were emphasized? And what I found is that in Jewish thought, there's this very uh, intentional way of looking to delight in the people around them. An intentional way of looking to delight in God. In fact, they've got it. They've got it written down. They've they've, they've got it documented. It's like our order of service that we use, you know, for what we do here. We know what we're going to do. We know who's going to do it because we talked about it, right? Sometimes it was two minutes before service started, but <laughs> we definitely talked about it. But. Um, Delight looks for ways to praise. Delight 
looks for ways to celebrate. And it's not about what that person is or is not doing, but who God created them to be, I think is the very best thing we could be delighting in. How whimsical they are, how creative they are, how serious and intense they could be in, in, at times, how methodical or, or carefree they are. Like that is how we delight. And so we said the implication was this, establish a rhythm of delight. And then last week, Logan talked about what it means to contemplate. And Shandea has a very old Bible in her hands, and she's contemplating that old piece of literature. Logan read Psalm 19, 1-4, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork day to day, pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. And so when we look at creation, we get to see this magnificent creator and his majesty, his strength, his might. Like we look at a bear running down the side of a mountain, we go, man, that bear is amazingly fast and strong for its size. I wonder what my God's like. Or we see a sunset. Or we see the colors of fall. And if we take time to recognize who initiated all that, we get a glimpse of who he is. But then Logan showed us four paintings. He showed us uh, um, a painting by Monet, who's an Impressionist. Uh, by Pollock, who's an abstract expressionist. Uh, Campos, who's hyperrealism. His look like a photograph. And then Bob Ross with his happy trees. <laughs> and what was it, okra? Ochre? Ochre. Ochre. Yeah, not okra. That's a, that's a horrible thing to eat. Um, <laughs> sorry if I offended you. <laughs> it's a horrible thing for me to eat. I'd rather put that on a painting than, <laughs> than eat it. But when we take notice, like when I take notice of my youngest, Jasmine, when I take notice of Jasmine's paintings, I get to see the way Jasmine sees the world. And when I look at Jasmine's paintings and I reflect on who Jasmine is as that artist, I also get a sense of who my God is because each one of us, are image bearers. We may choose to live that out well, we may choose not to live that out well, but we are image bearers. And so as I contemplate each of you and who you are and your unique design, I see my God too. And then uh, Logan and Jennifer came up with five ways that we, we can contemplate our God. And so we could look through his word or through worship songs, uh, through uh, meditative conversation with God, through giving of our resources as we meet needs or as we find some way to serve. Like these are all different ways. These kind of match the five love languages, right? If we have 
a way of expressing and receiving love that is, uh, you know, each of us typically out of the five, odds are there's two that really resonate with us. And so we love it when it gets communi- love gets communicated that way. And that's kind of our primary means of communication of, of uh, affection or appreciation to other people. Well, God created us with those needs. And by the way, as a being, he has those needs too. And so the implication was know your creator deeper. So these are things that by adding them to Sabbath, can we go to the next slide? Can we go to the slide with uh, with all the elements, all the Sunday on there four times? When we add these all these pieces to our Sabbath, it creates a special special environment for us to engage with our God and experience Him in His holiness in the midst of that. Now, our Sabbaths are probably all or maybe mostly beautifully incomplete. We're still working on them. We're still playing with things. We're still trying them out, and that's okay. And what happens if we only try to add one or two and, and, and just choose, choose to ignore the others? Well, Logan, Logan addresses that in this next video. Good morning, Mission Ridge. Y'all thought you were going to get a Sunday without seeing this mug. Not the case. I apologize. That's just for you, Lori. Anyway, we have been talking about Sabbath the last couple of weeks, and we've talked about stopping and resting and delighting and contemplating. And this week, we're talking about putting them all together because they all nest together. They all work as a team. We've talked about this a little bit. So I've come up with a bit of an analogy for you today. So let's hop over here. I'm all about the music. So we're going to use my music program logic here, where I've been putting together what I call my Sabbath jam. In this uh, jam, we've got our stopping, which sounds a little bit like a bass line. It's a good place to start, right? And then there's resting, which is, quite frankly, really boring. Resting is really boring. About to fall asleep there. So restful. All right. And then the next thing that we've got that we talked about was delighting, of course. Now, delighting is exciting, and we enjoy that, and that, that's got some energy to it. All right, all right, all right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's crank that. Now, last but not least, I talked last week about contemplation. Contemplation is kind of like the melody. Sorry for jumping in on that too early. It's kind of like the melody. Let's start that over. Uh, In that it gives everything... It's like, without contemplation, what's the point of Sabbath, right? All right. That's not too bad. Now, it would probably be better with some intentionality. That kind of gives it its focus, if you will. And when we combine the intentionality and the contemplation... They work nicely together. They really, they really, really do work nicely together. All right. So 
with that, what happens when we put them all, when we stop and we rest and we delight and we contemplate and we put that all on top of the rhythm of life? You see what I did there? I called my drum track the rhythm of life. It's really funny. I'm hilarious. Don't you guys miss me? I know, Scott. I know. It's fine. Anyway, here's what it sounds like when we put them all together. We start off with the rhythm of life, just the day-to-day beat. We add in a little stopping. That seems to go pretty well. You know when you rest and stop at the same time? Resting's not so bad. And when you delight while resting, find a way to delight in creation. Oh, that sounds good. That sounds real good. All right. You know what it needs, though? A little bit of contemplation. All right. That is a jam I can get down to. Now, the thing about this is we need to make sure that we find the balance between these the same way that I have to mix the audio levels, that I have to control which one's turned up and which one's turned down. Too much of one thing, too little of it is not good. There's finding balance. And that's kind of what Marty was talking about last week of you need to just start and you need to practice and we need to figure out and it's going to be beautifully, beautifully incomplete when you start because we need to figure out how to mix these together. And that's what we're talking about today how we mix these together. Talked about how my Sabbath was kind of something I put on top. And I had to remove things, even things that were good. So as I looked at my life, I was volunteering at multiple ministries. And I work for a ministry And so in order to say yes to the best, I had to remove something that was good. Like, it's good for me to volunteer with teenagers and invest in their lives. But if I'm doing it from a place of barely limping along and not having enough gas in my tank, I'm not loving them the best I could. So I had to step out of ministry, youth ministry, so that I could integrate Sabbath into my life like this like there is Sabbath right there and Sabbath right there it's like instead of just being on the top and being crammed down it is now something that is a part of my week and so um, I wanted to mix the best popcorn with everything else (laughs) there's um, ghost pepper popcorn in there I'm not even touching that so Um, I don't know why Rob bought that. (laughs) So as part of my Sabbath staples, there's a few things that I added to make sure that I was getting the best Sabbath that I could. And that included, like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, coffee with my friend Jen. Um, Just somebody that I can talk to and lean into and know that they know where I'm at and I can know where they're at. Um, It's including some flexibility to have fun um, 
and take naps or quilt or paint or, um, and then my girls aren't necessarily ready to understand or do Sabbath, but I want them to understand the importance of stopping and resting. So what I've done with them is I introduced something called Slow Start Saturdays. Um, and on Saturday mornings, they just get to sleep in and we eat a yummy pancake breakfast and we leisurely move into our day. So, and sometimes that means we don't do anything for the whole day, which is great. And sometimes that means that I try not to schedule anything until af the afternoon so that they can understand the importance of stopping and resting. And then hopefully someday that'll turn into them delighting and contemplating in God. Um, there's a few no-goes with my Sabbath. Um, I try not to turn the TV on because as much as I love being able to turn on Netflix and enjoy it, it doesn't necessarily draw me into contemplation. Um, I put my phone on Do Not Disturb so that my 20 hours of social networking that I do in a week um, doesn't happen because I don't know if your phone does this, but mine sends me a weekly report every week telling me that I spent 20 hours on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's a part-time job. Uh, I can do better things with my time. I could, in that 20 hours, I could learn to play the piano, which I've always wanted to do, and take that zero minutes of musical expertise to maybe 10. <laughs> um, I try to only have lunch with people that are refreshing to my soul. Um, you know, something that's going to drive me to delight and contemplation. So if I know that there's a friend I have to have a hard conversation with, save that for another day. <laughs> um, I try not to do shopping. As much as Target is every woman's favorite place, I find that it's not resting and relaxing to walk around the aisles of Target. And I definitely try to put my work down. Because for six days... I'm emptying my tank, and I am doing everything I can. And on Sabbath, it's a time for me to fill it up and to find things that are delightful and contemplative and that give me life so that I can be life-giving to those around me the other days. So by evaluating my life, I was able to say yes to the best things that God had for me and no to the things that are good but not the best. So we're going to move into our implication time. And our implication is say no to good things to experience God's best. You know, we do that all the time, right? Uh, I know my sister-in-law, she does not buy coffee out all year long so that she could save for vacation. And she hits every Starbucks between her house and wherever they're going about three times on the way in and way out. Like she makes up for it on vacation, but she saves that money for that. Uh, you know, there's some things I'm saying no to, uh, probably donuts. Donuts are a good thing, aren't they? Uh, I'm saying no to donuts so I can lose some weight. Jen said no to some good ministry opportunities so that she could be the best at her primary ministry location so she could be her best self 
for what she does for CareNet. We prioritize and budget money, time, space to meet our values, to match our values. And if we're going to experience God's best, we will need to say no to even some good things. So some next steps. Create your container for Sabbath. This is a concept that Peter Scazzaro talks about. Uh, a container is just what, what's going to define your Sabbath versus my Sabbath versus my neighbor's Sabbath. What's going to define your Sabbath? Set your time and space and schedule for Sabbath. Don't, don't make this too rigid, but have some ideas on what this is going to look like for you. How will you spend time with family? How will you spend time alone? What will meals look like? For me, I try to make Sabbath extra special for our kids. So I called Jacob up last night and said, Jacob, um, it was night before last, we start Friday. I said, Jacob, what do you want for dinner? The Sabbath, what's going to be special to you? He goes, pizza. I said, okay, great. Good idea. We haven't done that in a while. What kind of pizza? And he said, pepperoni pizza. <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't sound special, but I know you. He goes, well, yeah, something spicy would be good. So we went to Mod Pizza so all three of us could create our own pizza. We all had our own special meal. And then for, for the, the kids to come over on Saturday night, because we start with, with a meal and we end with a meal. That's kind of the bookends for our, for our Sabbath, because we have the rest of our kids, or most of the rest of our kids come over Saturday night. And so just look to add something special to that. For them, they're not as concerned about food. Um, they're just happy to be eating anything other than what they've been making all week long. So whatever we cook is going to be good. But uh, I, I said, Josh, will you lead us through a game of quiplash? And he was like, absolutely. And so, so that was how we ended the night because gaming is something that's special to them. What will you fill your Sabbath with? How will you start it? How will you complete it? What will your container look like? Because if we were Jewish, this would already be predefined for us. And in the freedom that we have as Gentiles, we're going to have to figure out what it looks like. And yours doesn't have to look like mine. It can be different. Your context is different. And so what is that going to look like for you? If you're, if you're married versus single, you know, maybe, maybe as a single person, yours is going to include more invitations to, to friends and neighbors to join you. Maybe as a family, you're going to be less inclined to in, invite people in because of your context. What's your Sabbath container look like? And then the second step for this is experiment. Experiment. This is going back to what Marty said about Sabbath breathing. Like he just, he doesn't get all locked into, I have to do this and I have to do that and I can't do this and I, and I can't do that. Those kinds of conversations don't lead to delight. This is a living, breathing being. I don't know if God has a literal heart, but you know, 
you read the scriptures, you could tell that at the quorum, there's something deep within him with emotions, and, and he just wants to relate with you. And some are, sometimes we try, well, some of us are very good at having rigid relationships, rigid ways of living within relationship, but most of us are not. And if you're like, if you're one of those people like, these are my rules and this helps me and this is what I need, then have fun with that. Like, let that define your Sabbath. Let that be part of your experiment. But make changes as needed. Explore, figure it out. Be ready to be wrong. <laughs> wow, we tried that and that didn't go over so well. Guess what? Six days later, we get to try this again. <laughs> Guys, the goal of this series is for us to experience God in his very best. He wants to share his holiness with you. He wants you to experience that holiness. He wants that holiness, his holiness, his separateness to absolutely change your life. And it just starts by being with him, being present with him, creating space for him, creating time for him to enter in and just say, this is sacred. We have some chairs I don't know if you ever had gone to grandma's house and there was a certain chair that only grandma sat in. That's sacred. That's holy. That's set apart. That's an idea of Sabbath. When we'd go to grandma's house, we didn't take our games with us. That's not what we were supposed to be doing there. We were supposed to be engaging with grandma and grandpa. That's Sabbath. I hope we can make this super simple but really impactful because our God wants to, us to experience Him. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.